Hello everyone, this is Jim Lucy, Editor-in-Chief for Electrical Wholesaling and Electrical Marketing with the October 25th edition of the Today's Electrical Economy podcast sponsored by Champion Fiberglass. The company began producing epoxy fiberglass conduit fittings in 1988 and in 1989 developed the first conduit from epoxy resins that had flame resistance and low smoke characteristics. This met the most stringent codes and specifications. In today's broadcast, we'll take a look at the 2022 Dodge construction forecast and see which construction ditches will provide the most sales opportunities in the next year. We'll also discuss some big acquisitions that made news over the past two weeks in the electrical market. And as always, we'll review some of the key weekly economic indicators that will give you a sense of where the electrical economy may be headed in the coming weeks. We'll take a look at initial unemployment claims at the state level, rail freight car traffic, the Baker Hughes rig count, oil prices, and copper prices. Our thanks again to Champion Fiberglass for once again sponsoring today's Electrical Economy series of podcasts for 2021. We're delighted to be working with the folks at Champion. For the weekend, October the 30th, the advanced figure for seasonally adjusted initial unemployment claims was 269,000, a decrease of 14,000 from the previous week's revised level. This is the lowest level for initial claims since March 14, 2020, when it was 256,000. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, total non-farm payroll employment rose by 531,000 in October, and the unemployment edged down by a 0.2% to 4.6%. These 10 states had the biggest decreases in their initial unemployment claims for the week ending October 30th. The U.S. as a whole had 7,114 claims. Missouri, with 3,017 claims, came pretty close to having half of all those claims. Florida had 2,830 fewer claims, Oklahoma had 1,681 claims, Virginia had 1,386 claims, District of Columbia, 1,207 claims, Pennsylvania, 1,161 fewer claims, Texas, Michigan, New Mexico, and Nebraska all had less than 1,000 claims. There were only three states that had increases in their unemployment claims of more than 1,000. They were Kentucky, with 2,862 more claims than the week prior to October the 30th, California, with 2,519 more claims, and Minnesota, with 1,043 more claims. The other states that had more claims than the rest of the pack were Illinois, with 698, Louisiana, 681, Tennessee, with 656, Wisconsin, 343, New Jersey, 250, Alabama, 225, and Alaska, 222. Quite a difference from when we used to look at this chart back in the last spring, when you saw a large number of states with well over a 1,000 claims more than they had the previous week. A good leading indicator for the overall U.S. economy is freight rail traffic because it's a measure of the amount of raw materials and finished goods being shipped by rail. The best source for this data is the American Association of Railroads, or AAR, which publishes this data every week at www.aar.org. Total U.S. weekly rail traffic was 510,141 carloads and intermodal units, and that's down 2% compared with the same week last year. And for the month of October, U.S. railroads originated 947,013 carloads, which is up 3.8% from October 2020. The railroads also originated 1,077,515,000 containers and trailers in October 2021, which is down 7.9% from the same month last year. Combined U.S. carloads and intermodal units originations in October were 2,024,528,000, which is down 2.8% from last year. 
AAR Senior Vice President John Gray said that for railroads, the supply chain challenges are being felt most in intermodal terminals where their rail customers have been unable to clear the freight as quickly as they would like. And they say he said the shortage of dray trucks, drivers and warehouse space are significant strengths that drove intermodal volumes down in October. Railroads continue to work closely with their customers and supply chain parts to address these challenges. This will help them maintain network fluidity and deliver the maximum possible freight volume safely and efficiently. This is another one of our charts where we've seen dramatic changes from just a year ago. For the week ending the 30th of October, petroleum and petroleum products were the only category with a year to de decrease, and they were just down 3.8%. Metallic ores and metals had a 26.3%. Coal had an 11.6% increase when compared with 2020 at the same time. If you track the oil market, you may be familiar with the Baker Hughes rig count, which tracks the oil and gas rigs that are operating. The data is available by state, by basin, and nationally at www.rigcount.bakerhughes.com. This slide gives you an idea of the largest oil and shale gas deposits. It really gives you a good sense of just how many of the large oil plays are in Texas and Oklahoma, and how big an area the Marcellus gas region covers in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and parts of West Virginia. It was yet another week of very small changes in the overall rig count. The Permian Basin just added three rigs and now has 271 rigs operating. The pie chart on the right offers a sense of just how much more oil activity there is in Texas's Permian Basin than in other regions. Oil prices edged back over $80 a barrel. Many economists and oil industry insiders expect prices to stay over this mark, although some of the 2022 forecasts are coming in around the $7 per barrel range for WTI crude. Economists like to call copper Dr. Copper because it's a leading indicator for future economic activity. Copper is used in so many different industries with the construction industry being among the leading markets because of its value in wiring cable and copper plumbing pipe. Economists are watching the copper prices particularly closely this year as a sign of inflation too. Copper prices slid back a little to the $4.30 range over the past two weeks. It will be interesting to see if they hold this level or retrace their path from earlier this year when they climbed from about $3.70 the, during the first week of January and gained a dollar a pound as they marched all the way up to $4.70 in, in May of this year. Now let's shift gears a little bit and take a look at some big acquisition news in the market. Graybar made its fourth and fifth acquisitions of the year with its purchase of Stephen Engineering and Metro Electric Supply. Stephen Engineering is an automation specialist based on, on the West Coast. It has three locations and is one of the top 100 distributors on electric wholesaling's list. It should fit right into Graybar's existing industrial automation business. Metro Electric Supply is based in the St. Louis area, not too far from Graybar's national headquarters in suburban St. Louis in Clayton, Missouri. Along with serving the construction market, Metro has several lighting showrooms in the St. Louis area. Earlier this year, Graybar acquired the Shingle and Gibb Automation Company out of Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, they also acquired Richmond Electrical Supply in Richmond, Kentucky through their Cape Electrical Supply business unit. And in Canada, Graybar Canada bought Electromag, which is headquartered in Sherbrooke, Quebec. There was also some huge news in the lighting market with the sale of Hubble's lighting business to GE Current. The progress lighting residentially was not included in the sale price of, of $350 million. 
With its package of high-end lighting controls and commercial and industrial products it bought from GE, GE Current will now have a complete commercial and industrial lighting package. I was at Light Fair this week, and there was a lot of speculation when this news broke on the morning of the, the second morning of the show. It'll be very interesting to see how they compete with some of the other large players uh, in the commercial industrial market, which include the big packages of Acuity and Signify with its Cooper lighting and other existing lines there. There's lots to report on in the electrical market this week. We also had a chance to sit in on the 2022 Dodge construction forecast, and we've got some of the slides from that presentation. It was a virtual event again this year and offered some presentations by Richard Branch, the chief economist for Dodge, and Chris Doritas, who has spoken at the conference many times from Moody's Economics. If you have an interest in national construction data, you may want to attend this conference. I've been going to it for quite a few number of years, and electrical wholesaling has been using the Dodge data since the day when Dodge and electrical wholesaling and ECM and electrical marketing were all part of the same construction business unit from McGraw Hill. You can find more information about the Dodge construction forecast and the more specific information on some of the construction project data at construction.com. Overall, Dodge is quite optimistic about the construction market for 2022, and it is forecasting steady, if not spectacular, growth for next year. Uh, they're definitely concerned about the, the run-up in construction pricing materials, but do expect those to hopefully subside by the end of next year. If you look at the chart, you can take a look at some of the specific areas of the construction industry where they're expecting some pretty good growth, some double-digit growth. If you take a look at general commercial construction starts, they're expecting that to go up 12% to $143 billion. Warehouse construction, which includes those mega Amazon warehouses, Dodge is expecting to increase 13% to 52.8%. Office construction, which has not been, as you can imagine, is a point of concern these days with the work at home trend, but they are still expecting a 10% increase from a comparative low level to 49.7%. Some of the other major construction categories that they reported on at the Outlook was retail with a 14% increase to 15.5%, and hotels, which was took a big hit last year with an 18% drop, They're expecting that to recover a fair amount to up to 20 with a 24% gain to 8.8 billion dollars. After a pandemic-induced decline, Dodge expects total construction starts to increase in 2022 up 6% to $946 billion. Had a nice increase this year, 12% increase from up to $893 billion as a whole. And total U.S. construction starts in, in billions of dollars were down 7% last year when they dropped to the $800 billion mark. But if you look at the chart, you can see that the, the general trend line is a, a slow but steady gradual increase uh, through the end of next year. Commercial construction, which includes stores, offices, warehouses, hotels, and parking, took a pretty big hit last year, and, and we're down 20%. Uh, Dodge expects them to recover almost to that level uh, with a 15% increase this year to $128 billion, and an additional 12% increase next year to $143 billion. Single-family construction starts had a heck of a year. They had a gain of 14% up to over 1 million starts. And that 1 million mark is the first time that the single family hit that since 2006. They're expecting another increase next year to 3%, pretty mild increase comparatively, but it'll take it up to 1.126 million starts. Dodge also expects multifamily starts to finish the year with a double digit increase, with a 16% increase to 646,000 starts. 
you can see that between the double-digit increase that we had in multifamily and that all that double-digit increase in single-family, why residential as a whole has been one of the strongest areas of the total construction market. It's also, in when measured by dollars, one of the biggest segments of the total market. Dodge does expect multifamily starts to slow down a little bit next year, uh, down to 2%. Step compared to that 60 points again this year, but it'll still show an increase up to 659,000 starts for the year. I included a slide from Richard Branch's presentation on data centers for several reasons. This part of the construction market first topped a billion dollars in 2009. By 2018, it had grown 10 times that amount to $10.5 billion. It has slid quite a bit since that time. I was kind of surprised to see that. In 2019, it dropped 23%. In 2020, it dropped another 20%. It did increase this year, 17%, according to Dodge, to 7.6 billion, but it's expected to level out next year with a 2% increase to $7.7 billion. It's certainly going to be an active part of the market in the future, but when you look at that $7.7 billion when you compare it to some of the amounts that we've seen in some of the earlier slides and specific niches of the, of the market, when you get an institutional, educational, hospital, it's a relatively small part, and that did surprise me. That wraps up things for today's podcast. Special thanks to the folks at Champion Fiberglass for sponsoring the Today's Electrical Podcast Series in 2021. Please contact me if there's any other type of economic day that you'd like us to cover. Our next presentation will be on Monday, November 22nd. I'm hoping I'll be able to have a lot of our market planning guide information ready for you by then. Uh, before then, I'll be at the NAD Eastern Meeting in Austin. Hope to see you next week. And if you do spot me there in the lobby or one of the receptions or one of the sessions, please pull me aside. I'd like to hear what you think of these podcasts and how we can improve them even more. I love doing them and I've got some ideas on how to improve them more going down the road. <laughs>